The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked triumph? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your name. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy time. And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. And, of course, it's going to look a little different than what's here. I don't know why one browser will update and the other will not as to what's going on there. But in any case, when you get there, you'll see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left is Bradley's, well, it isn't his show from Saturday. It's his uh, educational video. So you can still watch that up until 3 o'clock this afternoon, at which time I guess he'll be live. I don't know. I never know when he'll be live and when he won't. So, uh Perhaps he'll be there. And if he is, he'll be there in that little box right there, okay? And then on the right side of the page is where we are. Now, when you get over there, it may look different. You may have a big truck on there, 
okay? And uh, just click on that and blow it up on whatever device you've got. And then in the bottom right-hand corner, you'll have a Rumble icon. Click on that and you can join us in the chat on Rumble. We are streaming live to Rumble. Our channel is Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Um, please subscribe to the channel. Help us out on that. And then also... The uh, beforeitsnews.com, we're streaming there. DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty, a variety of Facebook pages that bear my name, both personal and public, uh, that they're allowing us to use, where most of our friends show up at in the chat. And then also, we're on Twitter at The Real Tim Brow. Don't add the N at the end and put a two in its place. The Real Tim Brow 2 is good there. And then Twitch, we're over there at The Real Tim Brown. You can catch us over there. And then uh, right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, you get one of those a day that comes out between 7 and 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, so be looking for that if you've signed up for it. And then if you want our e- ministry email and you want to see what we've been doing in the ministry of, of the week, then uh, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com, and you can sign up for that on the front page, and that comes out once a week, usually on Saturdays, and uh, you'll get specials and things like that. If you agree with our message, you'd like to help us, uh, we're not panhandling. For the guy who doesn't know what panhandling means, it means going out in the street and begging for money and food. We don't do that. We just simply say, if you want to help us, hey, we could use the help, okay, to keep us out there. So if you would like to do that, there's a donate button. You can click on it and make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And we do appreciate you guys because without you guys supporting us, it makes it kind of hard for us to do what we do. But nevertheless, even if you're not supporting us, we're called to minister to you, and so that's what we want to do. The store is also available. Uh, this week we're highlighting the Resistance to Tyranny is Obedience to God t-shirts. These come in both red and blue. We got them in a variety of sizes, I think all the way up to double X large. And the prices are going to differ just a little bit as to where you are. Uh, normally, these are $20 donations this week only through Saturday at midnight. They'll be $18. Okay, You don't need a promo code for it. You just go in there and get it. Okay, And uh, we've got them from small to triple X uh, large. So something to fit everyone uh, in the midst of whatever size you need there. Okay, And in red and blue. And... Um, Let's see. There's something I wanted to bring up. One one little thing, and then we're going to get right into our topic today. Uh, this is um, I ran across this guy, popped him on yesterday on the website. This guy shows up a lot in the news. He's the guy who's leading all the charges of all these pedophiles that get busted down in his county down there. Uh, sheriff Grady Judd. He's a preacher, too, by the way. Uh, he's the sheriff. Uh, some people said, oh, you can't come here at the church and, and preach. Uh, in your uniform <laughs> he was like oh watch me watch me and so he went and did that and then they were interviewing him on fox news f-a-u-x okay uh fox news uh, about what's going on in the aftermath of hurricane ian and i love what he had to say i think he meant to say swiss cheese but grated cheese works check out what he had to say people have a right to be safe in their homes they have a right for their property to be safe, even when part of their home may be torn away. And these looters, that's unacceptable, absolutely unacceptable. I would highly suggest that if a looter breaks into your home, comes into your home while you're there to steal stuff, that you take your gun and you shoot him. You shoot him so that he looks like grated cheese. Because you know what? That's one looter that won't break into anyone else's home and take advantage of them when they're the most vulnerable and the most weak. That's right. That's Well, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, this is something that I've said before, 
uh, when they came out with the whole Trayvon Martin stuff, uh, you know, the ruling on, on that. And they said, oh, the people are going to come to wherever in Florida and they're going to do all this damage to, you know, where the older people are living and such. And I'm like, well, why don't you as the governor just come out and say you have the right to keep and bear arms for a reason? You know, if people are going to come do that, and by the way, it's biblical to do that. The Old Testament lays that out as to how that's to be done. Um, it's perfectly biblical to do exactly what he said. Let them come clean up the trash afterwards. That, that's all you need them for. Okay. All right. I just wanted to throw that out there. Today, we're going to be talking about the kingdom-driven church. Now, I want to ask how many of you out there have heard of the purpose-driven church, right? 40 days of purpose and all the Rick Warren stuff that's, that's out there. What has it, what has it, what does it produce? That's the question I have. What is it actually producing? Versus the what we see in the New Testament where there is the preaching of the kingdom of God. The first words out of Jesus' mouth is, his first message is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That means it's there. It's not thousands of years out in the future. It's come to you. It's drawn nigh to you. Okay, And that's what we're going to talk about today because me and my boys and my son-in-law, we went down to Chester, South Carolina last night. Uh, new friends that we met down there. And I think Jeff and Kevin and Steve was our host, and we got to see our friend Bill Evans, the, the truck driver theologian. And we had uh, a big bonfire, and we were talking about, you know, why as the church have we not got, we've got marching orders, we have those in the scriptures, but why are we not implementing those in such a way as to have a real impact in the culture? And so I, Bill and I had talked about it and everything, and I said, well, let's do a show on this. Let's bring this in. And this is going to concern um, a different array of, well, it's very similar to my own uh, of eschatology and seeing that everything's been established. All we've got to do is fulfill the mandate. And this is part of what we pray when we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And among the things that we pray for, which are daily things, uh, we're also praying, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I don't think Jesus was telling his disciples to do that, thinking that it's going to be thousands of years out in the future before that happens uh, fully. They're praying for that to occur in their lifetime. They're praying for that to come, that they might be the instruments of doing that. And so with that said, uh, I want to welcome back to the Sons of Liberty, Bill Evans. Good morning, man. Good morning. Oh, you're you're feeling you're 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 sounding a little weak there, brother. I'm weak. <laughs> yeah, your voice is a little weak. No, sir. My <laughs> my my signal may be weak, but my my voice ain't. <laughs> well, it's coming through a little low, so we'll try to turn it up. I may I may end up getting myself. So you guys bear with me if my voice gets a little loud there. All right. So here's what I want to do. You and I were talking last night, and, and these men around the campfire, and uh, one of the guys that was sitting there with us, uh, Kevin, is a pastor down in Chester, and boy, uh, you know, he was talking about the, the great opportunities that are opening up for the church, where they're having the schools call the church. They're having the, um, they're having the sheriff's department call the church and say, we need your help, uh, that it's just open for them to come in there and do the things that God has told them to do. And many churches are not responding to that, but he and his church are, are doing their best to respond to that as they can. So let's talk a little bit about what we were going over last night and how we can encourage and exhort our brothers and sisters 
to where instead of us worrying about what the World Economic Forum is doing or what they're trying to do to us, we make we put them on notice of what we're called to do as soldiers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's let's start out and clear the decks first and foremost by establishing what the church is. Uh, many people have heard the term replacement theology. Somehow the idea that New Testament Christians believe, based on Scripture, that we have replaced the nation of Israel. And I would say that's categorically wrong. We believe in fulfillment, uh, not replacement, so that the church of Jesus Christ, which the word in Scripture is ecclesia, and we're going to visit that briefly, the word ecclesia, uh, and the word church comes from uh, uh, the word meaning uh, of the Lord, uh, or, or the Lord's gathering, but the, the word ecclesia, which is the word translated in church in the New Testament, well, the ecclesia was the basically the town council, the movers and the shakers, the the militia leaders, the uh, the captain and the leaders of the local volunteer fire department. These were the guys that you went to, and they ran the Greek city states. They were the 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 the, the, the property owners, the the freemen, and uh, these were the guys you went to when there was a problem. Uh, the Israel uh, was made up of judges and elders, and of course they had the law of God was their constitution. And all of the promises that were made to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob regarding land and, and, and all that were fulfilled. And we're told that Joshua, they were fulfilled. Uh, but, uh, but in terms of uh, who that Israel was, and essentially the, the people of God on earth, we are the fulfillment of all those promises. And so whereas Israel in the Old Testament was exclusive, they... Uh, you had a few Gentiles, but primarily it was the people of God, and we had Nehemiah that didn't want foreigners intermarrying, and you had Moab and, you know, with Ruth and Rahab and, and a few others. But, but, but essentially it was just the, the, the Hebrew people. It was, they were establishing a, a, a unique, separate society, theocracy, that was ruled by the law of God. But in the New Covenant, when Christ comes, he is the fulfillment. He was the fulfillment of their dreams and expectations, properly understood. There were obviously people who had who had uh, turned their religion into formality. Uh, Jesus is always going up against these guys, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, who had basically set aside the law of God for the traditions of men. But essentially, the church, the body of Christ today, is not the replacement of Israel. We are the fulfillment of Israel. Christ fulfilled all of the promises. He, and, and, of course, the Hebrew people, the Jews, believed that when Messiah came, he would raise the dead, uh, crush his enemies, and establish his everlasting kingdom. And as you already noted, for Jesus came at the very beginning of his ministry and for the first three years, actually, before he ever even mentioned his death and resurrection, uh, uh, that he would be buried, by, he'd be uh, put to death by the, the Jews, and then he would rise on the third day. For, he did that was his three, third year of ministry. For the first three years, he talked about the kingdom of God. 
So when we're talking about what is the church's mission, Jesus said, disciple the nations, teach the nations. Uh, uh, not just make disciples one-on-one-offs, you know, like a spiritual daisy chain. Where, you know, you get saved and you go lead someone else to Christ. But literally, disciple the nations. Well, what are we supposed to be discipling the nations with? How are we supposed to, what that look like? We're to teach them to observe all that God has commanded all that Christ, who is God in the flesh, the second person of the Godhead, commanded. Who commanded who? Commanded Moses. As you've, as you've noted, it was Christ who met with Moses uh, in the burning bush. It was Christ who met with Moses uh, on, the, uh, on Mount Sinai and gave the law. It was Christ who traveled with the Hebrew people in the wilderness. And we're told that in Scripture. Uh, the rock that was struck that was Christ. Uh, we're to teach the ethics of heaven, the law of God, not the ceremonial or the sacrificial or the dietary laws that passed away with the fulfillment of the old covenant, but the eternal uh, ethics of the kingdom, the, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, these things that represent the eternal nature of God. Uh, what is he concerned with? Justice, righteousness. Uh, it's the same word. Justice, righteousness is almost like a dual word. And... So the church is to be teaching the ethics of the kingdom in order to bring those ethics to every sphere of our community life, whether it be their, our political system, our, our criminal justice system, our economics, our financial policies, our agriculture, food production, business, entertainment, uh, public discourse of all kinds. And the church has basically been acting like it was a... Uh, religion dispensary. You know, if you notice the springing up of all this, the uh, marijuana dispensaries around since, uh, you know, <laughs> if you don't smoke marijuana, I guess you never go into one. I've never gone into one, but, but the point is is that you look all over the United States, we have what I call 501c3 religion, uh, uh, religion dispensaries. Uh, they are, and, and people go to these, they go to these dispensaries that are open uh, on Sunday mornings for two hours, and they go there to get their fix. I call it uh, a therapeutic deism. Uh, they're, they're going in there to get their cathartic experience, get their spiritual uh, lift for the, for the week. And then they go back, and then they, they fade into the background and just become regular uh, Republicans or, or whatever else they are, libertarians for the rest of the week. And if there were a 1,000 churches just like the one you attend, it wouldn't make a difference. Uh, it wouldn't change anything because we are not changing culture. In fact, culture has changed the church. And Henry Van Til uh, from the uh, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century philosopher said that the culture is the church's report card. Uh, it, it, the state of your culture in your community, in your county, in your state, in your nation will indicate the, the, how well the church is doing is fulfilling its great commission to disciple the nations. Does that make sense? Yep, yeah, makes sense to me. In fact, uh, one of the things we were talking about, whoops, I got the wrong thing on there. Uh, one of the things we were talking about uh, last night was, was just that. You know, why are we not seeing these things done? And I think it's in large measure because the pulpits are not uh, being those how shall we say? I, I hate to sound like uh, what the Muslims call their mosques, but they're not being the training centers. They're not being the the boot camps, if you will, and and giving the directive of what the king has got. 
uh, has given his people, and then the people leaving that and going out and fulfilling the commands of the king in calling people to Christ and discipling them in all of these different areas, the church has been taught, well, we've got to get people into heaven, and that's really our Uh, job, and they forget all of the other stuff that goes along with that. Yeah, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And so the question is, what is the main thing? Is it heaven or is it the kingdom? And this is what I would submit, that there's, we, we, I think it's, in, it's not exactly correct to, to, to distinguish between the doctrine of salvation or the gospel of salvation and the gospel of the kingdom, but, um, but that's what most people, how they understand it, they've been, whether they were, however they heard the gospel or they, they heard it at an evangelist or at church or reading the Bible or on television or whatever, and they, and they pray the sinner's prayer or they come to, they come to a, a moment of decision as he used to say, and they and their they, their life is now radically changed by the gospel in them. You know, Jesus' faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, His death, burial, and resurrection, and that is what we call the gospel of salvation in a nutshell. But what's the gospel of the kingdom? So, well, what is the good news? The word gospel means good news, and some people would say, well, if you ask me what the good news is, the good news is when I die, I get to go to heaven. And I would say, well, I think it's much larger than that. Because I think the good news is that Jesus Christ is the king of the universe and that he rules all things by his word, through his spirit, and we are his representatives. The good news is that Christ is king, that we're not spinning out of control through the universe at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, that the devil is not in control, that, uh, that, that the future is not uncertain, it's not left to chance, the good news is that Jesus Christ is the sovereign king of all things, and that means everything. As R.C. Sproul used to like right. to say, there's, there's, not one, there's not one maverick molecule in the entire universe that does not obey Jesus Christ. He holds all things together by the word of his power. He is the incarnate second person of the Godhead who came into the world that he created. And that's the good news, that he has given us a way whereby we can know his rule, we can live under his rule. When you live in a, in a you know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs that when the wicked bear, <laughs> that when the, when the, the wicked bear rule, the people suffer. And, and, we, and we do. So what is, the, what is the reason for the condition that we're in right now? Well, I would say it goes back to that the, the we see the unrest, we see the uncertainty, we see uh, all of the things that we would put on a list of the, what's wrong in our country today, not what's wrong with our country, what's wrong in our country, and that we would say, well, this is the result of approximately 150 plus, 170 years of the church living out bad, really bad theology, really bad theology, a, a theology of escapism, uh, the term eschatology just means that the study of the eschaton are last things. Uh, most people in America, it's no secret, hold to a view that Jesus is coming back to, to get us, to bail us out, to rescue us, and that when things are the worst things get, well, that's just the way it is. That's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Things are supposed to get bad before you know, Jesus returns. The tribulation, don't you know? The Antichrist, don't you know? The mark of the beast, oh my gosh. You know, lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Uh, yeah, we have we have all kinds of people, Bill, who uh, who couldn't who couldn't lay out the gospel as it's really given, 
uh, in the scriptures, nor could they cite other things and teach it. But boy, they know what the mark of the beast is, right? They know who the anti- they want to pin the tail on the antichrist every so many years. It, it gets it gets ridiculous, and there's no soundness in it because they don't stick to a context like what we started out with in our conversation last night. The book of Revelation, both bookends, Revelation 1, 1, 1, 3, and 22, 6, all say these things are about to happen. They're at hand. They're, they're about to take place right in front of you. And indeed, they, they did. They took place right in front of uh, the people of that day, just like Jesus warned they would in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. They did the same things. So you're exactly right. So the idea is... is um and I woke up this morning, I was thinking of a good analogy to this. You know, if you have a road map, and, and, and that road map is, is an accurate map, but you don't know what the symbols mean. If you think the rest areas are gas stations or the, or the uh, whatever the case, you know, it's the same. I, I was a navigator in the Navy, and of course, as an over-the-road truck driver, uh, you know, we have to know. Obviously, I've been reading maps for a long time. Uh, all my life, but if you did, if you had a good map, it's perfectly good. All the information on it is true. It's just you don't know what the symbols mean. You're going to end up uh, really confused. And if someone were to read the old, the the book of let's say the book of Revelation, or for that matter, even read the epistles, and they don't, and they don't keep a, a, a certain, they don't understand certain things, they're going to end up in the weeds. Uh, they're going to get, uh, you know. Uh, um, Grasshoppers are going to become, you know, Black Hawk helicopters and so on and so forth. And and so it's important when we read the Bible to understand that it was not written to us. It was written for us. It is a an accurate record of the inspired word of God, but it but we are not the Thessalonians. We are not the Romans. We are not the Corinthians or the Ephesians or the Colossians. You know, we're not young Timothy or we, you know, we're not first century Jewish converts to who are following the, the, this Messiah, Christ, the Christian, you know, the, the, the birth of Christianity in the book of Acts. We are, we have an accurate record. And I've often used the, uh, the analogy, I've heard the analogy of the, of the young boys visiting his grandmother and he's up in the attic and he runs across his grandpa's, his deceased grandpa's old chest from World War II with all this World War II memorabilia, the greatest generation. And he's got his uniform, and he's got a packet of letters that were written to his grandmother from, from, from uh, Europe back in 1944. You know, and he says, I'll be home soon, love John, love John. And the boy runs down, Grandma, Grandma, Papa John's going to be home soon. Uh, what, 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 what do you mean? I just read it. He just said, I just read it in one of his letters. He's, he loves you, and he's going to be home soon. Well, that's exactly what we do with the, the, the New Covenant, the New Testament. It was not written to us. It was written for us, and we, can, and we cannot hope to uh, apply Scripture properly if we don't first ascertain what it meant to the people to whom it was originally written. And so um, when we read books like the book of Revelation, which everybody wants to hear preached and the preachers never want to preach because there's so many different, you know, ide- you know ideologies of it and, 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 and different views, you know, the, the pan mill, the post mill, the pre mill, the, you know, the, the, the ah mill and then the, this trib and that trib and the pan trib and, you know, you know all that. Uh, 
it's, it was a written, it was a letter written, a revelation of Jesus Christ written to seven churches in Asia Minor. That's right. And I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not Asian and I'm not minor. I'm not a minor either. So <laughs> the, you know, so it, but it, it was, so we have, the people need to read, understand it. First of all, if they don't understand, the people that it was written to were steeped in Old Testament scripture. That was their Bible, the Old Testament. When Paul said all scripture is given by inspiration of God, he's talking in, 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 in to Timothy, he's talking about the Old Testament law, prophets, and, and wisdom literature. That's what they had. That was their Bible. They didn't have the KJV. They didn't have the NIV or the New Age Version, whatever you want to call them. They didn't have those. They didn't have smartphones with 12 different versions of the Bible Hub on them. They had nothing except the Old Covenant. That's what they had. And, it's, and it was being assembled. Now, the, the, when, the book of Revelation has got bookends, as you said. It's written, Jesus said, these things, I'm going to show you these things which are soon to come to pass. And then he ends the book, and I'm coming quickly. I'll be there quickly, soon, right at the door, you know, boom. And don't add to these things. And so that's the bookend. The other thing is... Old Testament symbolism, the numbers, the the, uh, the the literary forms, the allusions, the illustrations, the language, the apocalyptic language about the sun and the moon and the stars and, and the sea giving up all, that's all Old Testament symbology. And if we try to go to this literature in the, without, without being steeped in this Old Testament symbolism and the prophecies and and the, and the typology, we're going to get off in the weeds. So here's what I would simply want to say. Christians have been hamstrung by the teaching that things are supposed to get worse and worse and worse, and that the church is supposed to go through this terrible tribulation or not, get raptured out, and that Jesus is going to come and fix everything. There's nothing for us to do except make ourselves comfortable uh, as we wait for the Titanic to go under. Uh, and, and, and the fact is, is that that's the antithesis of what the New Testament teaches, where we're told that, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph. The church is victorious. He says the gates of hell, Jesus said, shall not prevail against the church. The gates of Hades, actually, the word hell doesn't appear in the Bible. Uh, your, your listeners might be interested to know, except in the translations. Uh, it's Hades or, or Gehenna or, or, or Sheol or something. But it's not the word "hell" doesn't appear in the Bible, um, and that'll be that'll probably get me banned. That would that would that's enough to get me booted out of some churches. Just saying <laughs> yeah. that. But the point is, is that there is nothing stopping the Church of Jesus Christ from extending the kingdom of God, and by that I mean bringing heaven to earth. We don't go to heaven; heaven goes to earth, comes to earth. Now we do go to be with the Lord at our physical death. But what I'm saying is that God is ruling over through his people, and there's the only thing that's holding us back uh, is bad theology and unbelief and, uh, and, and lack of faith so, and apathy. Uh, so uh, that was the, basically it in a nutshell. I, we, could, we could get off into a, a really detailed uh, discussion. Uh, I, would, I think um, probably well, one of the things we need to do is, pro is provide your – listeners on your website with a with a reading list or a recommended uh, reading list of books that they can read 
But I think it's mainly to start understanding that that Jesus fulfilled all the prophecies. And the main thing that he did, he the, the you know, Old Testament saints did not go to heaven when they died. They went to Sheol, they went to the grave because Messiah had not yet come and made atonement for sins. They were expecting that. You know, Martha and Mary believed that their brother would be raised at the last day. Well, the last day of what? The last day of the Old Covenant. That was the key. Now, I know that, 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 that the, the Tim LaHaye and the, and the, and the Hagee crowd, John Hagee crowd would, would, would prime me as a heretic for saying that, but we have to go with what Scripture says. And you see this language of imminence, of expectation, of nearness, of fulfillment all through the New Testament, you know, this coming soon, this, res this soon resurrection. So they were in that age. We, were, we are now living in what the Bible referred to as the age to come. Yeah, well, there Bill, one of, the things, one of the things maybe that would help people, and we've been down, we went through uh, Matthew 24 uh, in one show, and one of the things that I was pointing out was there's a context for Matthew 24, which a lot of people want to say is out in our future somewhere. And yet... Destruction the, of Jerusalem. Right. The, the context is Matthew 23 is Jesus has just pronounced all these woes, these judgments upon the mm -hmm. Pharisees in Matthew 23. Mm -hmm. He walks mm -hmm. out of there, and all of a sudden the disciples are going, look at, the, look at the temple, look at these buildings around the temple. They're building it at the time. This is Herod's temp temple that they're building. Uh, it was finished right. shortly before the destruction of, of Jerusalem. And he goes, I'm telling you right now, see this right here? There ain't going to be a stone left upon another. He's not talking about some future temple. He's talking about the one that they're looking at, and they get it, and they go, well, tell us when these things are going to be, and what's the sign of your coming? Now, they understand. Right. They don't understand he's fixing to die in a few days, even though he's told them. He, they don't understand he's going to resurrect. They still don't get any of that. And so when, when they say coming, everybody imports this thing. Oh, well, they knew what was going on, and they know he's coming back, you know, this, that, and the other. And yet he'll also sit there before the Sanhedrin, and he will tell them, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with power and great glory. He said, you'll see it. And indeed they right. did, 70 A.D., and that's, one of the, that's yeah, why I was yeah. referencing Josephus so much, because, yeah. boy, he, he brings it out, and he even talks about seeing chariots race across the sky, voices coming out of the temple, all of this right. kind of stuff that happened during the destruction. So I want people to understand, you know, sometimes unlearning what was bad doctrine that you've been taught is a difficult thing, but you've got to do it if you're going to replace yeah, it with what the yeah. Scripture actually says. Exactly. Unlearning is the hardest part of learning, and, and, and the challenge is, is that even many of our friends that are very close to us and our beliefs and, 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 and our simpatico in terms of the idea of the kingdom and extending the kingdom and making disciples, they want to take the text, the scripture, and they, they want to say, okay, well, this part is dealing with what happened in the past, but at this verse here, verse 34 in Matthew 24, it's going to make a shift and we're going to start talking about the future. And it may be, it may be a long way into the distance. And I just simply say, is we got to We've got to go with what Scripture says, not what we wanted to say. And our paradigm, the the, the paradigms that that, and again, I'm not anti-creedal. Uh, I'm not anti-confessional. Uh, I think their creeds and confessions are are helpful, especially I think they were helpful tools when you had a large population of people who didn't have Scripture, didn't ha couldn't read, 
you had to have uh, tools to catechize people and train them up in the faith so that they would know how to walk in it. Uh, but when we've got the scriptures in front of us and we've got the tools to help us understand the language, people need to... I, th- <laughs> I think it's safe to say a lot of Christians... I don't mean to, to put anybody down, but I think it's probably safe to say that the cares of life and our responsibilities to get the kids up and, and do this and get ready for work and, and, and all the things that we do uh, means that for a lot of people, you know, we've got, a, we've got you know, bass fishing and football and, 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 and Netflix or is, I don't know if Netflix is even still a thing, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, cable, whatever. People have a lot of distractions, and I'm not sure how much people really or what percentage of people would call themselves serious Bible students, you know, I uh, I meet a lot of pastors and a lot of Christians everywhere in my travel. That's pretty much what I do, and I'm always amazed at how oftentimes Christians can. They'll say, I say, well, you know, you know, such and such a verse. And they'll say, well, uh, how does it start? <laughs> you know, or or I'll uh, I'll say, have you memorized the verse that says this? Well, yeah, I've heard that. How'd that go? Where's that at? In other words, they they're familiar. They have a general familiarity with the scripture. <clears throat> the question is: Is are they workmen who do not need to be ashamed? That's right. To yeah. Handle it. You know, when you're in combat, you can't be fumbling with the mag release on your on your uh, upper receiver. You know, uh, you you, you got to know. You got to you got to be an expert. You got to know how to use the weapon that you that you've been given. Yeah, and um, Bill, one of the questions, one of the things I want to bring up here, so we give a little bit of background there as to where as to where you're coming from, so that people understand that. So when we talk about the okay, how do these things then impact us as the ecclesia or the assembly of God, the people of God uh, who are in the kingdom? We're not waiting to be in the kingdom. We're in the kingdom. Jesus uh, told the people of his day. He says. The, the kingdom doesn't come by observation. It's within you. The kingdom is within you. Well, and, let me... Let, yeah, go ahead. I, I think I know where I want to go with this at okay. the time that we have remaining. Sure. Because I think this is maybe... This may be at the heart of the matter, and it has to do with a person's general orientation, our frame of mind. You know, I think a lot of uh, uh, Christians, we've been taught that when I die, I'm going to go into the grave. I'm going to be with the Lord in some spiritual, ethereal fashion. And then at some point in the future, I'm going to, uh, we're going to come back and we're going to get our, and the Lord is going to take all of my, my the stuff that my body was made of that's now, you know, uh, scattered to the four winds. And, it's going to, and I'm going to be reconstituted and remade and I'm going to be resurrected. And then won't it be great because then we get to live for Jesus and we'll have these glorious uh, some kind of bodies, maybe, you know, maybe they levitate or fly or whatever. They don't need, we go, they won't be marrying. We won't uh, be having, it won't be like sex and marriage and all that, but we're going to live forever in these glorified bodies and want to be wonderful. The Jews looked to the resurrection, and, and it does seem to me that the key element, if you wanted to say, uh, other than the who God is, the person, nature of God, what is the heart and soul of the of the Christian's hope, the Christian's faith? It's been the doctrine of the resurrection. You know that we're that we're we're we're, we're, dead, we're we've been crucified with Christ, and we're and uh, and and uh, now we have eternal life. 
the Jews were looking for resurrection. Indeed, they were. Paul said this. I'm, I'm on trial for the hope of the resurrection. He said, we hope to attain unto the resurrection or to eternal life. But this was a big, big shift for me in my thinking. And that is, is that for the New Testament believer, we have been raised up with Christ. It is a past fulfilled event. Yep, Ephesians says that. Ephesians 2, 9, Colossians 3, 1, you've been raised up with Christ and, see, and seated with him in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Now, what was Paul saying? In the one to come. Is that the age in our future? No, that was the coming age in Paul's future. What was that? That was just a few years hence. He was writing Ephesians probably 50, 55 A.D., and just another short 15 or 20 years later, that, that age to come would be consummated when the, when the Messiah returned to crush his enemies, to obliterate the temple, to end the old temple covenant system. He said, what about the whole thing? Heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth, from Isaiah 66 and other places, represented not the cosmos, I believe, and then this is something that people should, your audience should study out. God said, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? The temple system that, that God came and destroyed and replaced, uh, he took out the, temp, the temple, the dwelling of God made with stones and replaced it with a temple of God made with living stones. The people of God, the temple, God, the heaven and earth was the place where God, heaven, the king, dwelt among, where heaven came down and God tabernacled with his people, both in the tabernacle in the desert and the temple in Jerusalem. Today, it's he's in us, he, the, the body of Christ in us individually and us collectively gathered together, both in our local congregations and globally around the world. We represent the dwelling of God in the Spirit. And he tells us this. Paul says, if in Colossians, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And he said, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Now, by earthly things, it doesn't mean that we should be so heavenly minded we're no earthly good. It's just that we shouldn't be focused on things like, you know, who's, got, who's, gonna, who's playing in the World Series or who's got the pole position at, at Talladega. We need to be concerned about what we're here to do because we just have a short period of time on this earth, each one of us. And regardless of our eschatology or our, 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 our church background, every one of us wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, what is that? We were well done. We, we were faithful in waiting. Look at what Jesus says about the, uh, the, the, uh, the unrighteous servant who Christ, you know, the master left various different talents with them. And they said, well, you know, my master, he, you know, I want to make sure I don't lose it. He buries it versus he employs it and he, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he returns a profit, you know, to the, to the master when he comes. So every one of us needs to realize that we've only got a, a short time uh, in this body. And then we don't, we are already raised up with Christ. And I mentioned last night we talked about Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. Now, everybody is pretty much familiar with the idea that the early church in the first several centuries, they suffered, but they overturned, they ultimately outlasted the Roman Empire. They basically turned the world upside down. 
How did they do that? It said they overcame by the blood. And by the way, this is this is, was fulfilled right there. This was not talking about ten thousand or a hundred or thousand or seven years in our future. This is talking about the first century church, the church that was being addressed, the believers in the first century that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life even unto the death. And I and it, it occurred to me the only way we can really be fearless in the face of of uh, uh, public opinion and criticism and possible persecution, as some of our brothers in different parts of the world experience on a daily basis, and even here where we've had you know pro life. Uh, abolitionists, uh, rescuers, Christians, evangelists being uh, arrested by the FBI, swatted. Uh, what what despicable! But they overcame him because they loved not their life, even unto the death. And you cannot stop an army that does not fear death. You cannot. You know. You cannot. How do you stop a person who is not afraid to die? They are. They think they're immortal. Uh, and 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 so for the Christian. Resurrection is not a future expectation only. It is a present reality. Sure we are already raised. Yeah, and that is the heart of the gospel that we sometimes overlook it. And if we understood that we are already raised up with Christ, we already possess eternal life. It's not something we're looking forward to when we die. Then I think it's going to set, it's going to set our sails differently. We're, we're, there's nothing holding us back except our own apathy and unbelief and bad theology. Yeah, one of the things that we spoke about last night was uh, when Jesus goes, when you're talking about the resurrection, and we, we've got some questions about it. I don't know if you want to take some of them or not, but um, the, the, because I want, sure. to get in, I want to get into the thing of, of where we're going, and I want you to give that illustration of the, the man that you talked about last night. We're going to see if we can have him on the show. But one of the things that happens when Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, you know, he tells the disciples, uh, you know, they get the word that, that Lazarus is not doing so good, and he says, well, wait a minute. He says, um, he says, we'll, we'll get there. You know, it's, it's not a problem. It's not a rush. Uh, and then they, the, the message comes, you know, that, that he's died, and, and they're like, well, if, you know, if we just be there, you know, everything will be okay. He gets there, and Martha and Mary, his, his sisters are, are crying, they're weeping, he's been dead for four days, and um, Jesus comes to them, and he says, do you believe, you know, that he can, that that he can he'll he'll live again and 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 they go well yeah at the last day and he goes he doesn't even touch the last day thing or the resurrection at the last day he doesn't even touch that he turns to them and he says i am the resurrection and then he says lazarus come forth he tells them to move the stone lazarus come forth and he comes forth and there's a pic i think there's a picture there of exactly what you're speaking of in ephesians 2 where it says yeah, we once were illegitimate children. We were children of the devil. We were sons of disobedience. But God, who is rich in mercy, quickened us. Or the understanding is he raised us to life. Uh, he right. did that in with his power and not our will. He did it with his power. And so I think the same thing is true there. I, I hope people are getting that idea that we are already resurrected. Yeah, I, mean, I, would, I think the people need to re recognize that the new birth... Uh, isn't chopped liver. It's not just nothing. Uh, it's not just the that that uh, that the new birth is our resurrection. Uh, we're raised up and seated with Christ. It doesn't get better than that. And you say, well, what about our bodies? And I say, what about them? 
you know, uh, people are going to point to 1 Corinthians 15. If Jesus said the flesh profits nothing, it's the spirit that gives life. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, Im, uh, the, uh, the, the, you know, the mortal cannot put on immortality. In other words, when you plant a seed, what grows, what comes out of the ground doesn't look like the seed. It doesn't look like what you put in the ground. Now, we're told in 1 John 3, verse 2, Brethren, now we are the sons of God. It does not appear yet what we shall be. But when he appears, we shall be like him. And when, 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 when will he appear? Well, we're told in Hebrews that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. I believe that when uh, the, the Scripture teaches that every one of us has a date before the, our Creator, and uh, he and it's been appointed for man to die, and after this judgment, we all stand before Christ uh, in some form, you know, at, at the moment of our passing from this world into the world beyond. And for the and for those in Christ, we are declared justified and and uh, and and accepted in Christ, and and those who are outside of Christ don't have life. We're, you know, those who were told, 1 John 5, 11, 12 said, he who has the Son has life. He does not have the Son of God does not right. have life. That's right. Pretty Bill, simple. we got about five minutes here, and I want to get this part in on the radio. If we need to go a little longer, we'll do that. But I want to get this part in on, on here because we're talking about we're, how is the church going to do this, this bringing heaven to earth? How, are, how is the will of God fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven? And one of the guys that you spoke about last night, maybe you can name him, I forget the guy's name, but he's over in Europe, and can you tell people a little bit of the story about what his mindset was and what he was doing? You got, we got about five minutes here that we can bring that in on the radio part. Well, I would recommend people go and visit uh, the website for a man named Sunday at Elijah. I had a webcast, or I did a podcast for approximately two years, and I interviewed theologians and authors and pastors and doers all around the world and probably one of the most uh probably the most important i don't think I, I, the, the most important interview i ever did was with a man named sunday at elijah and the spelling of his last name is a d uh, a d e l a j a and sunday at elijah was a young orphan in a small town a small village it wasn't a town it was a small gaggle of huts in nigeria he was an orphan <clears throat> he was a prodigy, bright guy. He uh, was a hard worker, and he was noticed by the KGB and the CIA, and they wanted to recruit him and send him either to Columbia University for the CIA or Belarus and the Soviet Union to get a degree and be their man on the ground in Nigeria. And, uh, and he, after he got these two offers, he had he heard a, a gospel by a TV evangelist who became a Christian, and he asked his pastor which of the two he should take, and he said, uh, "Well, if you go to the United States, uh, you're going to be a lot, you're going to have a lot of temptation. But if you can walk with Jesus in the Soviet Union, you can do it anywhere." So he went to the Soviet Union. He was a uh, widely uh, criticized. He didn't speak Russian. He had to teach himself. He had to learn Russian. He went to the university, and then he was a uh, uh, he was. Uh, he had no theological training. He just had his Bible and a picture of Jesus on the wall, which they came and made him take off. And uh, he said as a black man living in uh, Russia, nobody wanted to listen to him. Obviously, it's predominantly white, heavily predominantly white. And so he, he said that he met with the Lord and just said, well, go out and minister to the people on the streets, the least, the last, and the lost. 
and he began doing that and uh, it wasn't very long before he had you know seven people then he had 70 and then he had 700 today and then at the end of the split up of the Soviet Union he moved to Ukraine and started a, a fellowship there called the Embassy of God and today Sunday Elijah is a pastor of a church with over 70,000 members uh, we've planted something like 3,500 Bible studies and congregations around the world. He's on social media. He's written 300 books, 100 of them in English. Uh, they've started organizations to deal with uh, uh, prostitution and drug abuse and abortion, and they've started three political parties. They've raised, they've created millionaires. They've they've started. They've had over a million, 1.2 million conversions to Christ. Uh, uh, well over six figures of people delivered from drug addiction and prostitutions. And, and and what they're about, he wrote this book called The Kingdom Driven Life. And uh, and it was the idea that we're not, it, that the problem is not getting Christians into the church, it's getting out of the church, getting Christians to go out to the church and to carry the kingdom with them and to implement these kingdom principles you know, we're the people that should have all the answers. The church has the word of God, and we ha we should have all the answers. But when the, when the unbelievers went, when they had, when they, you know, when that's what they did with the ecclesia. Let's go to the leaders. They'll they'll know what to tell us to do. And I would recommend Sonny is on Facebook, and uh, is, uh, you can find his books on Amazon. Church Shift or the Kingdom Driven Life. And I would recommend these for pastors and Christians because they will rev the idea is not he's not a theologian. He's a doer. He's a kingdom builder. Yeah. And and he's changing nations. He's in with ministries in, in South Korea and in Singapore and Nigeria and all over Africa and Europe. And he's kind of spoken to the Knesset, he's spoken to the United Nations, he's spoken to the US Congress or the US Senate, I think. He's well-known all over the world, but the point is, is that he's just a humble kingdom builder, and, and, and he gets things done because he's interested in equipping people, not just simply to go to heaven, but to bring heaven to earth. And so I would, I would submit that our little communities and our neighborhoods and our businesses and whatever we put our hands to, whatever we're a part of, we can bring heaven to that endeavor by implementing these kingdom principles, which are how does God do things in the law of God? What is justice? And I'll end with one thing real quickly. Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The word righteousness and justice is the same word. Yeah. Hang on, so Bill. We'll hold, you, we'll hold you over just a little bit here. Guys, catch Bradley at 3, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and we'll be back in the morning. Talk. Bright and early, Lord willing, 6 a.m. See you then. Okay, I want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And, uh, you know, we it's funny, Bill, we got off a little bit on eschatology, uh, your views there, and everybody's stuck on that in the chat instead of really seeing what we're talking about here. And I knew that would be the case, but that that's fine. You know, we'll we'll go with what we're going to go with. Um, are they hating on me? Are they hating on uh, me? The there's chat? there's a couple of people. That's okay though. Look, it, it's a it, that's fine uh, because that's the point the point the point is is this what we're trying to drive home is everybody the, the the what I see happening is 
is the Christians just, for many of them, throwing their hands up and saying, there's nothing we can do. The giant is out there. Yeah, he's we're, calling. We're he's mocking God. He's mocking the armies of God. He's mocking the people of God. There's nothing we can do. This is the way it's going to be. And it's like, wait a minute. We're, what have we been taught all through the Old Testament and even into the New Testament have we been taught to run from the fight or to throw our hands up and say there's nothing? No, we've been taught just the opposite of that. And the fact yeah. of the matter is the churches have have become complacent. They've put down a really bad doctrine that says the church is impotent, that it can't do anything, that it uh, uh, there's no way it can affect yeah. uh, change. And look, I'm not talking about uh, us going up to D.C. Everybody knows what I think about D.C., but what I'm talking about is doing things within our community in which we have an impact. Because if the first century church went from, uh, I don't know, what, what do we read? Uh, you know, a little over 100 people in an upper room on the day of Pentecost. That's Now, mm -hmm. stop and think, and I want people to get that kind of vision here. This is the ministry of the Son of God. This is what he's left behind. What we read there is 120 people gathered in the upper room. This is the Son of God's ministry. And yet, he talked about that, you know, our, our faith would be that uh, if we had a, of a mustard seed, we could move mountains, we could do all these kinds of things. And yet, there was a small number of people that, that started out there. And it grew into this thing that has filled the entire earth. In fact, I was making mention, Paul yeah. said, you know, a lot of people says, oh, well, Jesus can't come back until, you know, the, the gospel is preached to every creature in heaven. Well, that's exactly yeah. what Paul says that happened in the first century in the book of Acts. Yeah. He says that yeah. happened. Yeah. So I want people to see that as a, as a picture, but then there has to be a place where we as believers do more than just, you know, read our Bible yeah. and go, go to church and pray. There's got to be activity. Yeah. And that I see a lot of that happening with uh, Pastor Artur up there in Canada in, in the impact yeah. of his ministry to Alberta and to the homeless yeah. and to the truck drivers. I mean, uh, again, I recall... Yeah, we, well, you we, held me over. Let me, you held yeah. me over. Let me say a few things go ahead. before I got to go. <laughs> go ahead. I, w I wish that we had said, I wish that I had said during the live broadcast that I'm not indicating, I'm not suggesting that there aren't many, many productive Christians, people who are loving their neighbor, people who are, are um, doing, are acting correctly in spite of their bad theology. You know, when, uh, when um, you talk about Johnny, John MacArthur, when John MacArthur stands up against the powers that be, and I heard him preach a great sermon on the law of the kingdom. <laughs> well, the fact is, is that John MacArthur's theology doesn't really allow for that. That's right. So happily, so happily, he was being consistent when he's being uh, when he's doing the right thing. There are people who believe that things are supposed to get worse and worse, and yet they go to work every day and they train their kids for the future and they plan and they grow and they plant a garden. Why do you why are you gonna why are you gonna plant trees if you expect the world us to all be wiped out you know shortly so there are a lot of Christians and regardless of, I don't want to get bogged down in uh, the in the in well I'm I'm a I'm of a I'm of Paul I'm of Apollos you know I'm of I'm a I'm millennial I'm post millennial I'm preterist I'm just I don't want to get down to that what I wanted to get the focus on is the kingdom and the idea is that. Uh, if our if our theology, if our reading of the Bible 
does not equip us, if it does not embolden us, if it does not fire our desire and to build Christ, to extend Christ's domain, to proclaim him as Lord over all, then we've got bad theology. Uh, I agree. And, 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 if and if our theology tells us that we're lacking anything that we need to accomplish God's will in this world, if our theology tells us that, we've got bad theology. So the reason why I like a fulfilled or realized eschatology is because it, 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 it explains that we have everything we need, that, that we have the Word, we have the Spirit, we have a beachhead. The gospel's already been established. We don't have to go out there and re and uh, and uh, reenact Paul's missionary journeys, where he's thrown into be shipwrecked and bitten by snakes and beaten in the streets. The hard, the heavy lifting's been done. And for us, this should be a cleanup operation, a mop up. You know, it would be like saying when the when the Allies landed on D-Day, June 6, 1944, in Normandy, that was the end of Hitler's Third Reich. That wasn't really. They fought for another year. But effectively, that was the beginning of the end. And what I would simply suggest is that what 70 AD with Christ, with the fulfillment of the Great Commission, Paul tells the Romans and the Colossians, your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. The gospel, the oikumene, the, the the known world had already been reached with the gospel. The 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 canon, the the new the New Testament <coughs> was fulfilled in the last book, the Revelation of Jesus Christ, which outlines, you know, and basically fuels the the fuels the fire of gospel victory, and your primary nemesis, this old test this Old Testament works based sacrificial. You know, system is out of the way. Uh, this ex exclusivism is done away with. Now we're going to invade the whole world. All lights are green. All systems are go. Uh, we don't. There's nothing holding us back now, and we only have uh, you know a few years in this world. None of us know how long we live, and so I want to be faithful at at doing my Lord's business in the years that He's given me, so that He I can hear Him say, "Well done." good and faithful servant when I see him. And for me, death is just merely a change of address. You know, I'm already raised up with Christ, and it does not yet appear what I shall be, but when I see him, I shall be transformed and be made like him. We shall see him as he is. And uh, everyone who has this hope, he says, fixed on him, purifies himself, even as he is pure. And by that I mean focuses himself, uh, you know, strips off everything else that's you know, if, if we see Christ and his kingdom and the desire to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, is our number one desire, we are going to strip off every weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, as we're told in Hebrews. So this is written to these people, these Jews who were wanting to go back to Judaism. They were following the Messiah. They were believing in Christ, and they were being tempted to go back, go back to the law, go back to the system. He's saying, don't go back. Uh, to that, that's 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 chaff. You've that's got right. wheat. Yep. So anyway, that's sort of my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, there's there's some other things. Boy, we we had such a good conversation. I said last night I should have just set up the uh, the camera there. Of course, it probably wouldn't have caught anything but the fire. Uh, but we had a good conversation. One of the things that uh, the Pastor Kevin, who was there, uh, brought out that I've often said on on air is. 
you know, the Bible tells us that that we are the body. And we were talking mm-hmm. about, you know, how some churches. I, I was, I was explaining, you know, I, I love the the people that I attend uh, at the ARP here with uh, my pastor and such. They're very uh, accommodating uh, to questions that I have or things of that nature. And uh, you know, one of the things was uh, when we read the warning given in First Corinthians eleven about partaking of the Lord's table. And how he says, you know, you need to discern the body. Well, before that, he's not talking about you got to discern the bread means the the body of Christ and the the wine means his blood. I mean, we can we can obviously communicate some of that to our children, but that's sort of sandwiched in between his rebuke of them for being those people who they brought their food and then they 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 were gluttons with their food, they were drunkards with the wine, they wouldn't give to the poor, uh, they were selfish and stuff, and they didn't see that those poor were part of the body of Christ. And then after he he uh, expounds upon that and talking about the gifts of the body and that the body has many parts. And so everybody listening to me who is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have, you're a part of the body. You, you may be a, an, an un, unsightly part as Paul uses, or you may be one that's seen and more useful than others, but you still have a, a function in the body. And what I, what I heard from Kevin was this idea that, that I push in that, and that is some of you out there really have a passion uh, to, you know, protest abortion and go after those abortion clinics and seek to shut them down and save babies. Others of you have a passion for art, music, and things of that nature. You're to glorify God. As Ecclesiastes says, whatever you find to do with your hands, do it with all your might. Some of you have that. Some of you have a desire to be a representative. I don't have that. I've looked into sheriff. I've told you guys that before. I don't have that desire, though, for it. Some have that desire to to fulfill a godly role in that. You should do that. Some are going to be preachers. Some are going to be truck drivers, Bill, right? Some are going to be networkers. Some are going to be givers. The body needs all of those parts to function properly in the world. And I, I tell you, if we could get that in our minds, that everybody doesn't have to be a cookie cutter like we are, you know, because to me, that's communism. That's that's a form of communism that's been brought into the church. We're not to be that way. Are we to have the same mindset toward Christ? Yes. But he has called us to function differently because he's given different gifts, but the same spirit. I'll give you the final word, brother. Well, I don't know that I can do any better than that. Um, I'm uh, going to be spending another two weeks here in in the uh, U.S. occupied South Carolina, uh, recouping before I go back to work after my uh, surgery. Want to want to encourage people to support. Uh, him and his work there. I don't know anybody that's does a. It's really got his, his finger in more pots than this guy does, as far as his, his, the breadth of his of his uh, audience and of his uh, guests and and the thing. I think he's out there at the tip of the spear. He's trying to keep people aware, push the envelope. Uh, knowledge is power. Knowledge applied is power. Uh, read your Bible. Pray every day. Take chlorine dioxide. Listen to Red State Talk Radio and. We'll catch you on the other side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a lot of stuff to do there, Bill. <laughs> 
Well, I appreciate you getting up this morning and uh, being on with us, and it was great to 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 be able to see you last night. And hey, listen, the, you left yeah. all you left all your you left all your habanero yeah uh, <laughs> I, I, snacks here. I think I'll bring them. I'm gonna bring them back to you when I'm on my way back up to. Well, that's fine. You guys can eat them. It's no big deal. I, I told the guys we got we got halfway up the road. I'm not a masochist. Yeah. Well, I, we got halfway up the road, and I said, "Oh, I left all those chips." Well, I didn't spend that much on them. They were a few dollars at the bargain city, but oh, those habanero chips and the salsa was looking good. And we didn't even get into that because we were yapping too much last night. But it was a great fellowship, and uh, hopefully next time that we do it, and we've talked about doing that, moving up to our house, moving back down there to Chester and stuff, and and the men just getting together. Maybe we can build that up and. And sharpen one another, uh, as we were talking about last night. But well, it was you know it was a little bit of a you know I never was a part of the Promise Keepers movement. I don't think that the idea of men getting together is a bad idea. I think the question is is what are they going to focus on? Yeah, what are we going to focus on? Yeah, are we going to look you know, to glorify and, God? And, in what and, we're doing? And, and, and I really do think the problem with a lot of the churches is the is the temple model versus the synagogue model. It's like we're going to go together. We got our praise team up there raising holy hands and playing their tambourines and the drums and a keyboard and, and singing, you know, 20 verses of a hill song, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> I love you, Lord, without any content. And my mind goes to sleep. I just want to, you know. That's what it's intended thinking. to do. Yeah, it's you intended know, and, to put uh, you in a trance. It's not intended to you to get you motivated so you hear what God says so you can go do yeah, it. Yeah, I call it esoteric therapeutic deism, you know. Mm. It's, just, it's, it's just basically... It's just basically to produce this cathartic sort of uh, state where you feel like you have uh, merged with the Almighty. And, and rather than going in there and saying, okay, guys, this week, uh, who's going to be going out to the abortion mill? Who's going to, the, who's going to be working the soup kitchen or the bread? You know, the, 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 uh, who's going to be working in the community garden this week? Who's, uh, you know, we've got to harvest all those green beans and zucchini this week. And uh, put those in the storage locker for the church, and then we got, you know, and and then of course who's going to the jail? So we're going Thursday night or Tuesday night, we're gonna, you know. And, and, and these are the things that we do, uh, you know. Who's cutting? Well, we got the, these ten widows are on their the list this week. They're they're due for a visit, yep. and uh, we need to make sure that they have all, everything they need. That. Uh, you know they're not being they're not infested with roaches or mice. We go in there and take care of these widows. I mean, there's all these things we need to do. And 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 and, and in Isaiah chapter one, you know, God basically says, you know, I've had enough of your of your singing and your yep. blah blah blah, and you're speaking in tongues and prophesying. And let's and, see and the do. Your, this, let's see the fruit. This, let's see this, the doing. Yeah, yeah. Let's see some justice. Let justice roll down. And so, yeah, yeah. Let's let's get after that. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good word to end on. And uh, we're we're gonna we'll have you back again, Bill. Um, in in the future, I, a lot of people like to have like to hear what you have to say. I think you come at things a little bit different than how a lot of people talk about things. And you know, for me, I, they know where I I've pushed tactical civics uh, to build up our our grand jury and our militia in the in the county. And to me, that's one of the, I kept referencing my interview with Brent Winters last night. That's one of the key things that Christians can be involved in. They can actually do something to bring uh, the justice they say needs to be brought against the corruption around them. That is, those are the two things they can do. You can actually do it. You don't need D.C.'s permission. You don't need the state's permission. You can go and do it. <coughs> Excuse me. 
and make that happen. Anyway, Bradley will be with us, uh, be with you at three, I assume. Uh, libertymedia.com and we'll see you guys in the morning, Lord willing, 6 a.m., bright and early. Adios.